Our cutoff story this week at number 11, reports of active shooter at Air Force Base in Tampa. This happened at McDill Air Force Base last Friday. And you want the full details? Check out the link at the website for this full podcast. That's the cutoff, so that's the starting point to where we go. So the 10 stories you hear next are the stories that were the most important, that were the most impactful, were the most conversational as per you. So what stories are they? We'll let you know in mere moments here on the weekly wrap-up with Jay Cliff and Payne. That's me. This is a show for the week ending January the 18th, 2020. And welcome to the show. I, as already stated, am Jay Cleveland Payne. And this is also stated as a podcast called The Weekly Wrap-Up, where we wrap up the week's stories that you say are the most conversational, not per what goes on in big weeks or long, not-so-big weeks with the chirons and breaking news that never quite breaks on the national media stage. And this is a week of some very big news happening, as this week in real time, the articles of impeachment were delivered to Donald Trump. That's big everywhere, but really big here in the States. And a lot of things coming from that, including some fallout from some stories that happened last week. But this is not the real focus of what this podcast is. This podcast focuses on some of the other stories that you may not see if you're just watching the news reports that are on all day long on television. We go through the entire internet, use a couple apps, a couple newspaper sites, a couple things to pull out stories that are some impactful, some are a little silly, but all from sources that we're pretty sure are reputable. Sometimes we get one that gets slides by us, and we have stories that basically cover the gamut of things going on around the world, literally. And what we ask for you to do is to do some of the heavy lifting and vote the stories up to see which ones are the best. So all you have to do is follow the social media you're already following. Go to Facebook and on Instagram as well and look for This Is The Conversation. On Facebook, make sure that we are the source, the primary source in your feed. On the Twitter, go to TH underscore conversation and follow us there. And as you see things in the feed, we post a new headline about every 50 minutes or so. Uh, like it, love it, shade it, share it, hate it, do whatever. Uh, shade it if you like to, I guess. Uh, do what you want, need to do to engage with it to show that you are interested in it and definitely read them. That's always great. And the more engagement a story gets, the higher score they get at the end of the week. We add the Twitter and the Facebook into a raw score and we give you what it is from the top to bottom, literally top to bottom. So this week, Top is number one, pretty much always number one. The bottom this week is story 222, the very bottom story. We call it the almost relevant story of the week, and we'll tell you about the bottom five stories in the second segment here on the podcast. And in the final segment, we're also going to go into some shout-outs and some of the stats of what things meant. We're doing more stat stuff because we're doing an expanded version of the research for a bigger project. So we'll tell you how the actual numbers impacted what went on, what stories actually had the greater engagement, and how that really factors in the large scheme of the 100 or 220 stories for the week. So if you want to get in touch with us, email us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com, and you can talk about any single story you want to, or just talk about it in the social media, or talk about pretty much anything you want to via that email address. So with all that said, all the important details out there, let's get to the really important thing about this week, and that's a podcast with the stories that you said were the best, starting off with number 10. Number 10 is the first of two head football coach stories in the countdown and one of three stories that are more or less sports related. Here's the thing about this one. This one was expected. This one was heralded. This one we saw coming. The one that's coming up, which gets a higher score because it was pretty unexpected, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Number 10, 
The Cleveland Browns have hired Kevin Stefanski as their new head coach. Posted on Sunday, the 12th of January, this story gets a bump in response that means more responsive than the last story, the cutoff story at 11, by 4.06%. Here's a bit of the rundown that we got from Cleveland's News 5. Uh, they've updated a couple times since then, but this is how it reads now. The Cleveland Browns have hired Kevin Stefanski as the new head coach. Stefanski will replace Freddie Kitchens, who was fired after just one season following the team's loss to Cincinnati Bengals on December 29th. Stefanski becomes the 10th full-time head coach for the Browns have had since 1999, joining Kitchens, Hugh Jackson, Mike Petty, uh, Rob Chudzinski, Pat Shermer, Eric Mangini, Romeo Cremel, Butch Davis, and Chris Palmer. Team owners Jimmy and D. Haslam said during their search for a head coach, they were looking for a smart, strong leader with good football acumen who is a continuous learner and works well with the organization. According to Jimmy Haslam's plan he laid out in the press conference, Safansky will help in selecting the new general manager to replace John Dorsey, who the team mutually parted ways with at the end of the Browns season. So the new new or Browns, new itch Browns, have a new look, a new coach. They'll have a new general manager, and probably have some of the same issues they've had for the last twenty years or so. Essentially, since forever, and definitely since the original Browns moved to Baltimore. Cleveland is a beloved franchise owner, and the Browns are a beloved team, whether they're the old Browns or the current Browns. And the people there love the team and love having football there. They just aren't so much in love with being a losing team so much. We'll see if the new coach can turn things around and how fast he can, especially since the last coach literally lasted just a season. With the news breaking on Instagram and breaking the heart of the Queen, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, that is Prince Harry and Princess Meghan, are, or I guess Duke Harry and Duke Meghan, are leaving the royal family or something like that. They put out on Instagram they want to leave their roles because life is crazy and people are racist, and they want to be more financially independent, which means they don't want to necessarily live off the Queen's or the British dime, but they still want to keep the house. So all that's still being worked out. So in the process, uh, the Queen, who wasn't happy they announced it on Instagram, wasn't happy about a lot of things going on, said, we'll go ahead and let this thing happen. But how are they going to be financially independent? Well, there are rumors that Meghan Markle already has some things taken care of, already has some job offers. But here's an offer that got tossed to Prince Harry uh, to maybe help the things happen. By the way, he didn't actually take it. Number nine story this week. Headline, the new Burger King. Prince Harry offered fast food job after stepping back from royal duties. This was posted on Tuesday, the 14th of January, and it gets a bumper response from the number nine story of 15.2%. Here is the bit of lines that we have from the Fox News story that they posted about this stunt. He did say he was working to become financially independent after all. Burger King branches in both the U.S. and Argentina have jokingly offered to give Prince Harry a position at their restaurants after he and Duchess Meghan announced their intentions to step back as senior members of the royal family last week. Both However, uh, branches of Burger King stopped short of outright offering Harry the title of Burger King. Let's just be honest, it's probably the only way he'd actually consider taking the gig. Burger King Argentina kicked things off last week with an ad campaign imploring both the part-time Royals to become part-time Burger King team members too. Dear Dukes, you can look at for your first job without giving up a crown, reads the Spanish-language version. 
Another tells the couple that if you're looking for a job, we have a new crown for you. We found out the prince and the duchess decided to give up their roles in the royal family and will work to become financially independent, reads an accompanying open letter. So we have a proposition for you. Do as thousands of people and take their first step in the world of work with us. You know that crown will suit you perfectly. Also, after so many years of living at Stooks, it's time you start eating like a king. Burger King U.S. followed up a few days later on Twitter, reminding Harry that this royal family offers part-time positions. Um, so it went to the comment sections of the internet, which is, of course, crazy. But it's pretty obviously pretty obvious he's not going to take the job as a Burger King or a job at Burger King. They actually do have some things more or less lined up, and where they'll go is a no hold on the issue. We'll figure that part out, or they'll figure it out. It's up to them. But we do know that Harry and Meghan are leaving the full-time gigs as royals, and what they'll do next is still up in the air, but it probably won't be as the Burger King or Queen. The number eight story this week, as chosen by you, is a tragic one. On Saturday, the 11th of January, was posted. It's a bump response of 5.93% from the story at the number nine spot. It reads like this headline does. Mother charged with murder in 11-month-old son's bathtub drowning. USA Today is a source. We'll read you some of that and move on from there. Knoxville, Tennessee. A Tennessee mother arrested in connection with the bathtub drowning of her 11-month-old son now faces a murder charge, authorities announced Friday. Lindsay Leonardo, 32, of Knox County is charged with a first-degree murder as well as aggregated child abuse after emergency responders rushed to her home to find an infant unresponsive Wednesday night. Leonardo told authorities she had left the boy in the bathtub in four to six inches of water along with her 23-month-old child, then went outside to smoke a cigarette and have some me time, according to arrest warrant. Leonardo stated she was outside for about 10 minutes and listened to two songs on her phone, the warrant reads. The defendant stated when she came back inside, she went to the bathroom to find a 23-month-old had turned the water on and the bathtub was filled to the top. She reportedly found the 11-month-old floating on his back, not breathing, the toddler standing in the tub. Leonardo called 911 and followed the operator's instructions performing CPR. You can read more into the story by going to our website, thisistheconversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast. It's for the week ending January the 18th, 2020, and you can go deeper into the story. But you basically see how it goes. Charges are now filed against this mother, and she will face the music, lack of lack of a better pun to say uh in what's going down in this one this is a very sad story and also a very good reminder that never leave children unattended in the bathtub this was a big week for the loss in radio in a week that where i ironically had just gotten back more or less on my feet from losing my full-time radio gig about seven months ago Six voices lost their jobs in radio here in Little Rock, the market I live in, including two from this story here that made national headlines because of the big, as they call it, a bloodbath across the nation. The headline for number seven is, I Heart Media staff hit with layoffs across the country. This was posted on Tuesday, the 14th of January, a bumpy response from the number seven story of 4.92%. The Billboard website article is locked for Billboard members. I'm not sure how we pulled this link, and then we didn't have some of the read-off of it, so I apologize for that. But 
I'll give you the gist of it because it really is a very simple story and it's been posted up many places. And since I'm into radio, it was one I was following very closely. Now, over the course of basically three days, the firings happened. There was a batch on the first day, a batch on the second day, and a few more happening on the third day. The numbers are always squirrely with these things because you don't really know who's fired until they say they're fired or someone says people are fired. But there were listings that sort of did a head count of people who were let go, people who were in positions that were the voices, if you will, and some people that were high up VPs and things like that. The rumored number was 1,000 people fired on the first day, which turned into a couple of days, and that rumor turned that number being around 1,200 people. No one really knows for sure other than the people inside of iHeartMedia. Essentially, it was a large restructuring, making things work a bit more efficiently and getting some names and some people off the payroll to help save some money. It's how the business works. It's something that most people who are in the business understand completely and people outside of business don't understand how it works and people who have been fired before totally get it and feel for the folks being fired so it's one of those things and i, I say fired there's a back and forth about the word fired and laid off and what it actually means uh we will basically turns out to the same outcome but what they mean mean two different things inside the the, the markings of moving forward and hopefully all these people are going to get a chance to move forward. They'll have a chance to do something else. Maybe they're getting bored, burned out with what they're doing or something more lucrative. As you can see, all these layoffs from one company alone means that the money quite not working the way it should. And I'd say here locally, if you're here where I am locally in Little Rock, there were a people fired from another radio group. And I'm not going to even go into that, but there are people that I know fairly well. And so hopefully they will rebound to something much greater, much better, much stronger going forward, including the folks that lost their jobs over at iHeartMedia here and across the nation. It's a sad thing. No one wants to see a gig go away. And definitely in the time where uh, Trump is touting his unemployment numbers being so low that so many people have jobs, the problem is so many of those jobs don't pay very much. So people have two and three the jobs. They're overemployed and that doesn't work out. That's basically where I was sitting at and while my employment was drawn for a couple, a couple for seven months, actually. So we sent out thoughts and prayers definitely to everybody across the nation who is dealing with job troubles. Definitely people dealing with this job trouble in the radio market. And hopefully something will happen and the money will come back and the media can grow back to something that is both trusted and loved and not just made fun of by so many people. Much props goes out to Brian, one of my Facebook friends who lives in Alabama, for posting this on his personal Facebook page so I could post it for you guys. And you guys loved it. After that last story, you need something that's a little bit heartwarming, a little bit a bit of a silliness. And that's what the story is at number six. The headline is, Town Employees Asked to Stop Shooting Squirrels. Posted on Sunday, the 12th of January, a bumpy response from the number seven story of 4.92%. It's posted from a news station, WKRG, out of Alabama, channel number, channel five. And the story is out of XL, Alabama, which you probably have no idea where it is because it's a very small town, which is why people are shooting squirrels. Here comes the actual story. Viewers brought concerns to News 5 last month when a town of Excel employee was seen shooting squirrels from a town water truck. Excel is a small town located in Monroe County. We reached out to Mayor Jenny Countryman at the time who confirmed the employees have been shooting squirrels in the town over the past couple of years. She says a pellet gun is used. Countryman told News 5 her employees had shot hundreds of squirrels during the time and she had a lot of residents support the hunt but not everyone seemed to like the idea. 
Some residents were concerned this is dangerous for children and for others who might be in line of sight. News 5 reached out to Alabama Wildlife and Freshwater Fisheries to determine what's legal and what's not. Captain Don Reeves tells us an investigation was completed this week in regards to Excel hunting, and there are a couple of questionable things that were concerning. He confirms to us that the mayor has agreed for her employees to stop shooting squirrels in the town. The end. Or is it? The second of our sports-related stories is not a sports-related story, but the second of the two coach-hiring stories is here. I'll just read you the headline, then I'll read you the story, and then I'll give you the commentary that I must give because I sort of lived this at some point in time. Missouri State hires Bobby Petrino as head coach. Sports Illustrated is your source for the story. We posted it on Wednesday, the 15th of January, a bumper response of 7.22% from the number six story. Here's a bit from Sports Illustrated as they took it, or took it down, if you will. Former Louisville and Arkansas coach Bobby Petrino will be next head coach at FCS-level Missouri State, the school announced Wednesday. The announcement comes after rumors swirled Tuesday night that Missouri State was considering hiring disgraced Baylor coach Art Bryles. Petrino has not coached since he was fired in November 2018 after getting off to a 2-8 start with the Louisville. Petrino led the Cardinals to a bowl game in each of his previous four seasons. Petrino, who also coached Louisville from 2003 to 2006, was a controversial hire when he returned to the school in 2014. He had been fired by Arkansas for having an affair with an assistant. A motorcycle crash in April 2012 exposed their relationship, and a later investigated detail that the then 51-year-old Petrino and the 25-year-old Jessica Durrell were intimate for approximately five months. Petrino's season with the Atlanta Falcons also ended abruptly as he resigned in 2007 to become the Arkansas head coach less than 24 hours after promising owner Art Blank he was staying in Atlanta. He informed the players of his departure via a four-sentence note he left in each of their lockers. Still, the Bears, looking to make their first postseason appearance since 1990, have settled on the Louisville coach. He replaces Dave Streckel, who was let go last Thursday in a privately funded buyout that will pay him about $340,000 plus moving expenses. Steckel, a former Missouri defensive coordinator, went 13-42 and 42 in five seasons with Missouri State. So, very quickly, because I don't want to take all my commentary time on this one, Bobby Petrino is known as a bad guy. He's known as a bad guy in the business to all the coaches, to all the ADs, to the players and who have played, and probably to most of the players who are in the realm of being recruited for. And Missouri State is definitely not a step up or a step lateral to Louisville, but he probably needs a job. And he's a fairly good football coach, which is why he's had so many chances, so many attempts, so many ways to do great things, but always find some way to be a just a basically just a bad guy. We will see how well he does at Missouri State. We'll see if it takes Missouri State to any sort of prominence. We'll see if this builds up to another run in the higher level of college football or maybe another shot at the pros. Or maybe he has learned his lesson and will stay down and stay humble at this spot. My vote is that he probably won't stay down and stay humble at this spot. This is another story that is unfortunate and tragic involving a child that's not an unfortunate loss of life but unfortunate loss of sight that could have been prevented. Your headline this week, 
four-year-old who wasn't vaccinated against flu goes blind from virus. It was posted by us on Tuesday, the 14th of January. This is a top-rated Facebook story for the week. More Facebook responders to this one specifically than anything else. And it gets a bump of response from the story at number five by 14.4% in total. Let me read you a little bit from The Hill where we posted this, but this was a big one across the nation and across the internets. A four-year-old Iowa girl was left blind with an unclear prognosis of whether she will regain her sight after a family failed to get her vaccinated for the flu this season, according to NBC News. Amanda Phillips said she took her daughter, Jay DeLuca, to a hospital Christmas Eve with a dangerous high fever, according to NBC News. I looked down at her and her eyes were in the back of her head, Phillips told the network. Phillips said she got her daughter vaccinated last March but did not get her vaccinated again this season, hoping the early vaccination would be sufficient. The Lucia was hospitalized for more than two weeks, during which time she developed encephalopathy and lost her vision, according to NBC. The swelling in her brain is an extremely high condition, affecting one in five million people. Phillips said doctors told her they will not know for sure whether her daughter's blindness is permanent for about six months, according to NBC. A December survey found 37% of Americans said they did not plan on getting a flu shot during flu season. More details, deeper with this story, go to it by going to our website, thisistheconversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast, which is, of course, for the week ending January the 18th, 2020. And you can see deeper details of what this one went down and find more links to more information about stories like this. And you can actually be a part of the debate on whether vaccinations and flu shots are really necessary because this would tell you that it is. Other people tell you this is a once in a billion time chance thing that could have happened anyway. Email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com and let me know what you think about this. We can talk about this in the email chains and go back and forth on this one. We'll probably bring this one back up and see how it happens when people get a chance to talk about stories like this one. So I misspoke earlier on when I talked about the sports stories. This is the third of four sports related stories. But this is not a football coach-related story. Those two are done. The next two stories related with sports have something to do with sports teams, but not necessarily great things that happen with the teams. Let's get into this one because this is a bad one, so we can move on forward towards number one. The headline is, High School Basketball Game in Dallas Ended in a Shooting. CNN.com is our source for this one. Monday, the 13th of January is the day we posted it. This gets a slight bump in response of 2% from the number four story. I'll read you a few lines from the CNN headline and keep things going so we can get to the other one, which is even more tragic, oddly enough. A high school basketball game ended in a shooting that left a teen in critical condition Saturday night in Dallas. An 18-year-old male was shot during the game after a fight broke out inside the Davis Field House around 9, 10 p.m., according to a press release from the Dallas Police Department. He was transported to a local hospital where he remained in critical condition Sunday night. On Sunday, a 15-year-old male turned himself in to police and was charged with an aggravated assault, according to police. Two other juveniles have been identified as persons of interest, but will not be charged, the release said. The game was between South Oak Cliff High School and Justin K. Kimball High School, CNN affiliate KTVT reported. The rest of the story is basic commentary from people who were at the scenes, giving the layout of what happened. And so you can read those commentaries by going to the website and clicking the link for this week's podcast. But this is a story that you can't really give much commentary to because it is what it is. The motives behind the shootings, we don't know yet, or at least there's nothing in this story updating it. We may never know exact motives other than just people who just weren't thinking very well, young people 
who don't think very well. This is a tragedy. This is basically something that should not have happened. And whatever we should be doing to make less of these things happen, that is minus the good guys with guns thing, we should work on that immediately. The number two story is a story that took off very early, and we thought it was going to stick around as number one all week long. In fact, it basically did until a little glitch that we did made some things happen. So we'll explain that in the segment three where we talk about any errors and omissions about the day. But the number two story headline reads like this. Philippines volcano. Thousands evacuated as tall spews ash. This was posted by the BBC, and we posted it on Sunday, the 12th of January. And we have a bumpy response from the number three story of 18.21%. A few lines from the BBC. A volcano in the Philippines has emitted a giant plume of ash, prompting authorities to order the evacuation of some 8,000 people living nearby. A plume coming from tall volcano south of the capital, Manila, stretched about one kilometer, 0.06 miles, into the sky. Rumbling sounds and tremors were also reported around Tal, the Philippines' second most active volcano, on Sunday. Authorities raised their alert level, warning of hazardous eruptions and possible with weeks. With was possible within weeks. Sorry about that. The Philippines Institute of Volcanology and Cytotology, yes, they have one, also warned residents living nearby of a possible volcanic tsunami while flights were suspended at Manila's International Airport because of volcanic ash. You can see more of the pictures of the volcano and more accounts from people on the island from going to the link at our website and seeing what's going there. Uh, but this was a very serious thing. We've had volcanoes for some odd reasons, erupting pretty erratically lately, lately in the span of years and lately in the span of months. Uh, there's no actual scientific you know, outcome or, or explanation for what's going on that, that I know of. But it is what it is. Volcanoes are deadly. Mother Nature, when she wants to get your attention, she will get your attention and you best be paying attention. The number one story is usually one where I can give some sort of commentary on, I can comment on because it's a quirky story or it's a serious story or it's an outlandish, outrageous story. This one is just a sad story and we're going to read you the headline, read you some bits of, bits of it and then move on into the next segment. It's really nothing we can do to add to this story other than let you know what happened. It's a very tragic story and it is the fourth of the sports related stories. Unfortunately, not related to actual sport, but a sport person who was killed. The headline we have, 20-year-old woman dies, several injured in crash involving Holy Cross rowing team in Florida. We posted this on Wednesday, the 15th of January. This was the top Twitter story of the week. Uh, this has a bumper response from the number two story of 18%. A bumper response from the number 10 story, which is um, the story that had the headline of the Cleveland Browns get a new coach of 135%. And a bump in response from the almost relevant story of the week, the story at the very bottom, 220 of 11,975%. It was that much more responsive than that one. It also accounted for 14.25% of all the total engagement of all the stories over the week. Out of all 220 stories, this one was engaged 14 and a quarter percent. Let's read a little bit from USA Today where we have the story, and then we will basically transition to the next segment. Out of Vero Beach, Florida, a 20-year-old member of the Massachusetts College rowing team died in a crash Wednesday morning in Vero Beach. The College of Holy Cross identified the woman as Grace Rett of Uxbridge, Massachusetts. Rett was a sophomore at the college in Worcester, Massachusetts. 
13 people were injured in the crash, and at least seven were taken to Longwood Regional Medical Center and Heart Institute, according to Vero Beach Police Chief David Curry. He said those at Lawnwood were in serious but stable condition, while others with less serious injuries were released. Curry said police were in the very preliminary stages of investigation, but so far there were no charges and no alcohol was considered to be a factor. You can read more about the story, more about the details in the story by going to the link we have inside of our website. This is conversation.com. There you can click the link for this week's podcast for the podcast week ending January the 18th. 2020 and read uh, from all the stories every single story we have listed here has a link inside that podcast link so check it out at the website for this is conversation.com no commentary no comments thoughts and prayers going out to everyone involved infected in this issue definitely to the family of the young lady who perished in the accident Coming up in just a moment, we're going to get to the five stories that nobody cared the most about because they're at the very bottom. That's why nobody cared the most of it, including number 220 this week, which is this week's, we're calling it the almost relevant story of the week. That comes up in mere moments. Don't forget to be a part of what we just did right here. You simply vote and you vote by following us on social media. This is a conversation is how we are found on Facebook and on Instagram and TH underscore conversations, how we found on Twitter. The more you engage with the stories throughout the day, we post a new one every 50 minutes or so on the timeline. The higher the score, the higher the engagement goes. Coming up, more stories you didn't engage with very much. That's on the weekly wrap-up with Jay Cliff and Payne for the week ending January 18th, 2020. The Conversation Project is powered by you, and you power it by literally having money spent to keep things going. It costs money to make things work out, and you make it happen. And you don't necessarily have to do it directly, but if you'd like to, you can go through Patreon, patreon.com slash this is a conversation, and become a patron there. You can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash jcleavenpain or ko-fi.com slash jcleavenpain. Kofi.com is still live and well there as well. And you can just visit one of our sponsors. You buy something you're already going to buy, and we get a slight piece of that. And one of those sponsors that we're very proud to have along with us is Blinkist. Because as, I, as I'm getting even busier these days, I'm taking on more projects and actually another full-time job, it's harder and harder to stay informed and stay up-to-date with things. This podcast and this project is one way to keep people informed on news stories that they don't have time to essentially to sift through everything when the breaking news is not so much breaking, but also for people who don't have time to read. And Blinkist is a great way to do this. I've been using this app for many years, and here are just three different books I had a chance to read, all of them in one day uh, to get caught up on things going on. I reread uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Effective, Highly Effective People. I also read Brent Penvindic, which I always butcher, his three-minute rule book, which says you can spend less time in your presentations and get everything boiled down to about three minutes and be more effective in your communicating and your selling. And Business Chemistry, a brand new book about businesses figuring out ways to keep themselves together. Those are just three books that I literally read in a day or had read to me mostly in a day, in about 20 minutes each. And you get the gist of great business books, great nonfiction books, great books, in Blinks, which you can read or listen to on the go. 
and it's a great app to get into. You should check it out. Go to our link. This is a conversation.com slash Blinkist. It's spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. This is conversation.com slash Blinkist and get your free trial of the app today. It's a great way to get caught up on all the books that everybody says you must read. They say readers are leaders. Leaders are readers. They say both things, but people who are leaders tend to read a lot. At least they say they do. And if you want to be a person who gets a chance to read more books, be more informed, this is an app that can do that. It's not magic. It just takes the gist of the stories, the gist of the books, the gist of the information. It gives it right to you in a way you can take it in easily and go put it straight to use. A lot like this podcast. So check it out. This is conversation.com slash Blinkist for a way to get yourself caught up on books and help us here uh, at the conversation. Make sure you just check, click on any of the links we have at our website and our newsletters and follow our sponsors and help them out and they'll help you out and they all help us out. But this week we put the extra spotlight on Blinkist. For contrast's sake, we give you the bottom five stories, including the very bottom, which we call the almost irrelevant story of the week, because it's pretty much not a story that really gets any love. Now, the caveat to this is because this goes from Friday morning to early Friday morning, about seven and a half-ish days of countdown, it always, more than always, most of the stories at the bottom are stories posted late Thursday night, early Friday before the taping that just don't get enough traction because they don't have a lot of time. Although there are sometimes stories that get posted really early that nobody really cares about. And so every so often there's a glitch that kills certain days in our reporting. And so we miss out on data. When we have that, we put the asterisk there. So we go back to look at data. We see that. This week we had one story that was posted fairly early that did not get a lot of love. And then four other stories that were just posted late. So we'll explain those going down. Not much context other than that. And we're not going to go into much of the stories here anymore. We're doing some changes for brevity. And we're going to just kind of go through most of the stories. The first four headlines and quick quips. And then we'll read you a bit of the last story that's at the bottom. So story 216 this week. Impact Wrestling banned from Twitch. Uh, Impact Wrestling is another wrestling program. For a while, it was the number two. Now it's more or less the number three, maybe four wrestling thing that has a television audience. If if that, its big audience is, is basically online and streaming. And now that it's banned from Twitch, it doesn't have much of an audience at the moment. If you're into wrestling, you know about this. If you're not into big time wrestling, you know, all you know is the John Cena and those guys. Well, then you probably have no idea what's going on with here. If you're curious, check out the links. We do have links for these stories at the website for This Is Conversation. 217, something that's a bit more, oh, sorry, that post, that story was posted on Friday the 17th. That was essentially this morning. So 217, a huge hot blob in the Pacific Ocean killed nearly a million seabirds. That story was posted last night, Thursday the 16th. And that story is about a large blob of warm water that's floating through the Pacific Ocean. And because the wildlife there doesn't deal well with warm water, wherever it comes in contact with, with waterfowl or water areas, it's killing large numbers of fish, aquatic, aquatic animals, and some birds as well. The next story you might want to read up on because it's an interesting story, but it's also a sign of the times. Ex-Miss Florida headed to prison for stealing mom's social security. You probably all know someone who's done something like this. And this one's interesting because we posted it on Friday the 10th of January. So we posted at the beginning of the entire 
episode, and this one lasted the full week by not getting basically any response with Sawal. You might want to check that one out directly by going to the website as well. This last one is one that probably got a lot more traction, and who knows, it might actually pop up later on next week if someone picks up on it later on. This is a story that took a while on Friday to really gain some issue, although it was posted more or less on Thursday. We got it in on Friday, and this story, headline, HBO won't pursue second season of Watchmen after creator bows out. Now, a lot of the comments I saw from people back and forth on it on Friday were the fact that people weren't too surprised about this. This is a... a a show that got a lot of critical acclaim, got a little guff from fans, but as people learn more about it and some of the controversial stuff brought people to it, a lot of people that you wouldn't expect to be into comic books got into the very real topics that were behind the story. The updates in the world of the Watchmen universe and how they play out more or less now in a world that doesn't have the same technology, i.e. cell phones and things like that. You can read deeper into that story by going to that link as well. And we will read you from the number 220th story this week, the almost relevant story this week. As you said, it is less responsive than the number one story by 11,975%. It was posted on Thursday the 16th, so it was posted last night. Not a lot of time to grow, but here is what it is. Headline. McDonald's in Japan is selling an adult cream pie, and that is in quotes. NextShark.com is our source for this one. They're our source for a lot of weirder things, and this one is one of them. So let's talk about the adult cream pie, shall we? McDonald's Japan is raising eyebrows online after announcing a new dessert item called the Altona No Cream Pie, or adult cream pie. The adult cream pie will be released as a limited-time dessert item and will come in two different flavors. Belgian chocolate, and sweet fromage, according to Sora News 24. The word otona, which translates to adult, is often used in Japan's sweets industry to describe confectionery that is less sweet than other brands. It invokes a sense of high quality and refined flavor. While the usage of the word seems innocent, by adding the words cream pie into the menu, McDonald's Japan's turned the dessert into an internet sensation. The ad featuring two women talking about cream pie doesn't help either. The young woman in the ad is played by Sari Ito, while the other woman is played by the grudge actress Yoko Maki. Both women are referred to as Senpai, senior, and Sensei, teacher. The cream pie, it is really that delicious, the young woman asks the older companion. If you eat it once, you will be filled, she replies. Two women jump into a cab and ask the driver to bring them to the nearest McDonald's where they order dessert. While people in Japan may not find this addition to the new menu too lewd, some English speakers are having a blast with the latest announcement. Because we over here in the States are all essentially eight-year-olds, even if we are in much older bodies. That is your almost relevant story for this week. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. Pun intended. Coming up in a moment, we will give you those errors and omissions. There is something we must tell you the truth about our number one story and give you some details on the numbers behind this week's responses here on the weekly wrap-up with Jay Cliff and Payne for the week ending January the 18th, 2020. The Spotlight Podcast this week is called Thank God Cancer Saved Our Divorce. And this is from a family who is thanking God 
that cancer saved the family from a divorce. Let me read you from how they describe their podcast. Sadly, people get divorced. Even worse, people get cancer. Add a divorce, not two totally adopted parents, a fiancé for dad, oh, and cancer for the daughter. What do you think you're going to get? Well, I'll tell you. An amazing journey of digging for what's best for the kids and you. You see, there is life after divorce. Sometimes a tough situation has to pull you together, and the closest people are the ones you wanted away from. Life is funny this way. And this podcast is funny this way. You have to check it out because it's an interesting podcast. It tells a story about a family going through something very serious who finds something very serious to bring them all together again. You have to basically listen to it to get the gist of it. You have to find it on Anchor, and it's called Thank God Cancer Saved Our Divorce. You basically find an answer. They have a Facebook page as well, but it was hard to kind of find a direct website to get you to. So they have a Twitter page, they have a Facebook page, and they're all over the Internet. They are produced by Anchor, which a lot of people, and I know I've said that three times in the ramblings, a lot of people aren't so happy that's where it's found because they're podcasters but you can find it essentially distributed anywhere you get your podcast from apple Podcasts, stitcher spreaker those places google Podcasts as well uh but it is living on the anchor website so go to anchor.fm and search for thank god cancer saved our divorce or as they call it tgc sod if you remember that or essentially go to our website because we have the link right there at the website how about that? Just click on our website for this week's podcast and you can go straight to their page and subscribe and listen to this one. It is an interesting catch and we're going to find a lot of interesting catches coming up for 2020. And this is one that I found very enduring. It sort of stumbled upon me and once I found it, I was I was hooked. I We've had to deal with cancer in our family, not divorce, but um, cancer found an odd way of bringing the family a little closer and maybe saving some divorce things here as well. So maybe cancer can save your divorce or maybe the stories that are here could just put a smile on your face about people who are working their way through very difficult things. It's called Thank God Cancer Saved Our Divorce. It's our Spotlight Podcast for this week. We can probably call this stats, errors, and omissions. And if there's any errors or omissions, we'll just bring them up here. We used to do them sort of in real time and in the second segment, and now we're just kind of keeping going on. There's a lot less errors and omissions now, so that's a good thing. But this week in Explanation, we had uh, what was a potential super story because we messed up uh, somewhere in the posting of stories. We posted links to two different stories about the woman who died in the Holy Cross rowing accident the accident on the highway we had two different ones posted within the span of about four hours or so and they both listed very high and in fact both listed very high within the top 15 so we just combined them as if they were a super story and posted just one they essentially were the same story and just a problem that we had and that's what kept it from being more or less a number three story to a number one story that it is so it's tops because we posted it twice if it were on there just once it probably would have had the same sort of response and just had one story to compete with itself instead of competing with itself uh, instead of competing with itself as well it competed with just that itself and the other stories if you understand what's going on basically we posted one twice within the same couple of hours it was the same story so we added the numbers and that's how it got to be the number one story it was big anyway 
And that is that. No other errors or omissions or explanations that we believe pop up. If you see something that we're missing, email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Let me know. We will address it as quickly as we can. For now, this was a week where Twitter is um, still raining, but Facebook did do a lot of jumping this week. Facebook so far lately has not been as massive as it was. When we started doing this matching with a weighted score, it was more of a mixture, a half and half, a 60-40 most times. But at the moment, uh, Twitter's been going out by leaps and bounds, maybe because of its quick nature. This week, Twitter only was about 84% of the responses as opposed to closer to 90 because the Facebook was about 15%, almost 16% of the responses. So that was a change that we we're happy for, and that just means more people were responding. We didn't lose any people. More people jumped in on the Facebook this week than they did last week. So thank you so much. Hopefully you're sharing them with us on Facebook so you can get more engagement there as well. If you're a Twitter fan, we love you to be wherever you want to be, but we like to have it mixed up as best as possible. Now, as far as responsiveness going on, we told you that this number one story was responsible for being responsive engaging meant uh, about 14.26% of the engagement of the total stories this week of all 220. The top 10 stories combined were engaging at 91.68%. So the people who were actually responding to things going on responded to the top stories 91% of the time. Everything else beyond that is essentially a, a non-starter to include the bottom five being at not uh, being at 2.51 percent and the very last story dealing with the adult cream pie as interesting as i may find it only about 0.12 percent engaging with that story and so now that you know the details of what happened this week we're done Thank you so much for joining us for the weekly wrap-up with Jay Cleveland Payne. I am so glad you spent the time to go through all the stories and all the background this week to see what stories people actually were engaged with. If you disagree with anything we talked about, you can easily email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. You can send us that if you agree as well or just give us some props. But if you want to make a difference, you have to be engaged into the story. Follow us on Facebook at thisistheconversation.com. Instagram as well. Follow us on Twitter at TH underscore conversation. And as the stories come through your feed while you're checking things, engage with them, like them, love them, hate them, share them. The more engagement a story gets, the higher score it gets into the rankings. And we tell you what stories were really impactful for you and not just what gets stuck on the major headlines because major headlines are really important. Sometimes it's really important to go over the same thing over and over again. But it's one thing to just play the hits. It's something else to really get deeper into details. And we like to think we do deeper into details. The Conversation Project is powered by you, so visit us at patreon.com slash the conversation project or just simply buy me a coffee. Buymeacoffee.com slash jclevelandpayne. We put a spotlight this week on Blinkist as an app, so if you sign up for Blinkist, they give us a little bit on top as well to keep things going. So go to thisisaconversation.com slash Blinkist and they will get you set up with a great way to catch up on all the books that you don't think you have time for. Trust me, you can knock out a ton of books in just 20 minutes at a time. We also give the spotlight on the podcast side to a great podcast that you've got to hear to believe. Thank God Cancer Saved Our Divorce can be found on Facebook and Twitter and at its home, anchor.fm slash TGCSOD. We'll set up some sort of easy way for that later. We've got to, we're still working kinks out in a new format, so that's how things are going. The greatest part of the conversation project is, is a conversation that is shared among people who are great at conversations. So the best way to make that happen is to make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We are basically on all the podcatchers that you're expecting and a few others you aren't. If you see one we're not on that you want us to get onto, email us and we will fix that as quickly as possible. 
And one way to share the conversation is to have other conversations with folks about this. So talk to your best friends, talk to some of your worst enemies, talk to random strangers on the streets, grab their phones, subscribe to the podcast and hand it back to them. And they will thank you as you keep walking down the way. It's hard to hear because you're walking away doing other things, but they will always say great things to you for subscribing to the podcast. And yes, as I already said, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. The crew behind the Conversation Project, the weekly wrap-up, thisisconversation.com, and the More Better Media larger family is grateful for you because without you as a podcast listener, there is no podcast to listen to. It doesn't matter doing the work, but you have to actually do some work for us. And obviously, you're doing the work by giving us the actual details to talk about every week. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of the family. As we say, there's something we can do for you, something you like, don't like, might like, Email us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. Check out what I have going on at a larger scale at jclevenpain.net. And be back here next week. We will count down the headlines from 10 to 1 that you say are the headlines, not just what somebody says on CNN. Just because Wolf Blitzer says it's important doesn't mean it's all that important. You tell us what to talk about, and we'll talk about it. For The Conversation Project and this is theconversation.com. this is the weekly wrap-up with Jay Cleveland Payne signing off. We'll see you next week.